Hello and welcome to another episode of Cues of Love. I have with me the woman of my dreams, my beautiful wife and co-host Kisa. Hello. If you're new and this is the first time that you're tuning in to Hughes of Love podcast, this is a space where we talk about our journey of life and faith through the lens of a married Christian Black couple raising five kids. That is a whole lot. Yes, it is. <laughs> we have two very special guests with us, Chris and Carol Green. They are authors, educators, certified professional care coaches, leadership consultants, songwriters, poets, ordained ministers, marriage and family advisors, and their list of credentials literally go on. They are very, very well versed in love and things of God. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, we actually met uh, Chris and Carol. They were speakers at the second marriage seminar that we attended, I think, back in 2018. Right. Yeah. I mean, they really blessed us and shared a lot of gems that have stuck with us until now. Absolutely. So thank you so much for joining us. Oh, uh, it's my pleasure. <laughs> thank you. Great, great. I heard that you recently celebrated 40 years of marriage on, I think it was January 3rd. Congratulations. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah, 40 years. And we, we can't believe it ourselves. Quite frankly, we're, I mean, we're just doing right. Yeah. And Together. it just feels like um, you look up and it's like we once we crossed over 30, then it's like, okay, and then it's 35. And then wait a minute, then we hit 38 and 39. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe I can say that. Uh, and 40, it's just, even even in spite of COVID, and not being able to go out and celebrate like we really wanted to and all of that. The the point is that COVID and that, even that happening at, at such a special event, it was so typical of what life is like anyway. Uh, and, you know, all of us who are married, you know, it's a lot of times it, there are things that are out of your control. Yeah, they're not ideal. Yeah, and you still make the best out of what you can. Yeah. And, what you have and so it was kind of like the our 40th anniversary celebration was just so typical of what our life has been and we do what we do we make the best of it um <laughs> we still got food from our favorite restaurant yeah <laughs> and and had fun yeah well, I that. oh yeah yeah that's been us <laughs> so tell us how did you meet oh boy <laughs> well we met in college i had to laugh because, because we were introduced to each other twice before we actually, it, before it took. Before our relationship really took. <laughs> uh, the first time that we met, it was during freshman orientation. And uh, I happened to actually see her while we were just sitting in the, in the, uh, auditorium. In the auditorium. Uh, and, um, you know, just kind of thought, you know, there was a, there was a nice looking, you know, black woman, black girl. And so, because the school that we went to, at the, it was predominantly white. And so it was very easy to spot somebody, a person of color, uh, anywhere in the crowd. So I did happen to notice her. We were sitting in the same section because we were actually signing up for the same major, went to school for communications. And so uh, seeing her and noticing her, but also not wanting to make that second and third look, you know, that you do. <laughs> you only thought looking. <laughs> Yeah. But um, anyway, then I was happened to be a little bit later crossing campus and I saw 
a child, a childhood friend, yeah. a young lady that I had known since the second grade. And so we were surprised to see one another. Uh, we met, we've known each other from the second grade, then we uh, through the eighth grade. And then I went to a, a, a high school in our city and she went to a completely different high school. So we hadn't seen each other in four years. Yeah. And suddenly that we're both seeing each other on this campus and she happened to be walking with that same young lady that I saw in orientation. <laughs> and so she introduced us to one another, you know, Chris, this is Carol, Carol, this is Chris. And I, I really didn't respond very much. I just kind of said, Hey, you know, I I, at least hey. I thought I said something. I don't think he said and, anything. He just kind of looked at me and I, which is out of my character. I, I, I said to him, well, aren't you going to speak? <laughs> and he just kind of raised his eyebrows, you know, real calm, real laid back and just said, oh. Yeah. <laughs> it was not the kind of start that you would think that we would end up being married and married for 40 years. Um, and then um, we... Um, since we were in the same major and we just so happened to, this is incredible. What's Seriously. the chances of this happening? That when, uh, when we started into the school year, we, we ended up with three classes scheduled for the, I mean, I scheduled at the same time, three. What are the chances of, you know, you know, when you go to college and all of that, so what are the chances of even having one class together? Different right. And yeah. we ended up, we have three. Yeah. Wow, three classes on the, uh, and so we were seeing each other, kept seeing her, and then we were introduced by another mutual friend uh, a second time. Yeah, well, and yeah, yeah. and the second time I actually remembered her name because first time I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> this time I remembered her name, and the relationship stuck. And the and um, the young lady who introduced us the first time, she would set up these moments, you know, invite me to lunch and she would invite you know, Carol to lunch and then we'd all be there oh, and then nice. she would slip away and leave the two of us. <laughs> oh, she was definitely playing matchmaker and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, and, but our relationship really did start based on friendship. Uh, I happened to have a quote girlfriend back home, but I called it the church girlfriend, which basically I come from very strict denominational background. And so uh, it was the kind of relationship where in those days, many, many people can't even, probably can't imagine what it was like for some of us in the seventies. That tells you how far back we go. We actually met in 1977, but it's kind of relationship in those days in church relationship, you talk to each other on the phone and you see each other at church and, and that's, that's it. it. That, that pretty much is it. Uh, or if you do go out and there was no, absolutely no one-on-one -on -one dating allowed, you'd mm -hmm. only in groups, kind of things that are really still a good idea uh, today, but there's a lot of people doing that. So I grew up in a in a time and an era, we, we did, in a time and an era when a lot of those rules were still in place. When young people got together, you didn't go on dates alone, you'd always go as a group and things like that. And so anyway, uh, when I went away to school, just the normal dynamics of what happens when you go, when you leave home, and that is, you meet a whole new set of friends and people, and you very quickly grow away from the relationships that you had in high school. You know, when you get away from high school life, 
and start meeting new people and then you, you just grow and you grow away. So it wasn't. Yeah, they tend to accept you for who you really are. As, yeah, as you're as discovering. For, face value. Yeah. Yeah. Even as discovering who you are, and, yeah, you know, when, exactly. you, when you go away, it's not even just college setting, yeah. just when you get away from home. from home, you just, you know, you start growing and knowing and meeting new people. Getting more comfortable in your own skin. More, yeah, comfortable in your own skin. And so as that happened, here I have, I meet this really nice young lady. We both shared a lot in common. We were both writers, writing poetries and, and short stories and all of that. And so one of the first things that we did was we exchanged our poetry books. Oh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's serious. I think that's yeah. really deep to let that somebody in to see, yeah, <laughs> to see your yeah. written work. Yeah. yeah. So oh, yeah. we went kind of serious really quickly from the standpoint of exchanging our writings yeah. with one another. Being that vulnerable. Yeah. Right. So and I think it was partly because, uh, uh, well, that, I was tired yeah, of go the ahead, game playing. Go ahead and say it. So I was going to be up front. If this was going to go anywhere further, or if you were, if you were going to really accept me for me, here is who I am. Um, this is how I think. Um, take it or leave it. And we let's find out now. Yeah. So she was based, She was really a no nonsense girl. Also, we want to add that I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, right from the middle of the United States, and she's from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. So she's from the East Coast. So. I come from a, a city where, and it's between the city and the surrounding suburbs and all of that, it's 3 million people. And she's from this, air, from this area, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, where the city and surrounding areas, East and West Shore, is 500,000 people. Right. So come from very drastically different cultures, cultures worlds, everything. And uh, so we were, we were really intrigued with each other's background and and family life and all of that. So we would just talk and talk. But um, and then we finally had what we call the talk. You know, where is this relationship really going to go? So we arranged to sit in the in at on the campus. Um, in the they have an area where really That's really called. nice garden. Uh, and and um, so we sat. It was a it was just the perfect. Oh, balmy summer was... night. I mean, the sky <laughs> was clear, full of stars. There was a nice breeze. It was the perfect I romantic mean, it was setting. A setup. You can hear the music <laughs> playing in the background, and you know, no. There's violin <laughs> nearby. That's violin a... <laughs> nearby, and all of that. But all of a sudden, I did what? If you can hear this sound effect when you stop the record, <laughs> I stopped the record because I said I have a girlfriend back home. <laughs> and I said, I need to be up front. Yeah. Be right right up front with you. You know, we're not going to play any games. I'm not going to play with your feelings and all of that. And I thought, okay, he has a girlfriend. She's and, far away. And she, <laughs> like she said, so I said, really, I'm just, you know, we can be friends. And I didn't notice at the time. She said, my thought was, I will be the best friend you have ever had. <laughs> <laughs> And that's what I did. <laughs> and um, and I mean, it was it was fast and slow at the same time. Fast in that we let's cut through all of the games and get right to 
where we are in our lives. And then at the same time, it was very slow in that we did not pursue a romantic relationship. Right. We, we, we were friends. We really first. were friends and just talking and, and about everything. everything in life. And it was Which really intrigued me to be able to have a conversation with a black man, an intelligent conversation with a black man. This was very intriguing. Mm -hmm. and yeah, no, this, I was not letting that go. <laughs> I love it. So with that, like you guys were friends for a certain amount of time before you guys actually started dating. So yes. what was that point in your friendship where you realized that, okay, wait, this person is my person. Yeah. yeah. Pursue that. Because it yeah. sounds like you had to actually hurdle over somebody else. To get <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I need you to move out the way. This is important. There <laughs> There's a couple of very major points. First one uh, uh, was uh, during a Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving break. Okay. And um, we were invited to someone's home for Thanksgiving, uh, you know, because it was such a short break. There was no time to go all home, the way home and all of that and then come all the way back. So we were invited to a friend of a friend's house for Thanksgiving. So we drove there. And I never forget this. Uh, we walked up to the door, rang, I, the door, I, rang, the door I rang the doorbell, turned around, looked at her and said, I love you. And then I gasped <laughs> because I couldn't believe I had done that. And I'm, I'm like, wait, did he really say that? <laughs> and I was trying to cover it up. Like, I mean, I, I, I love this time of year. I love it. <laughs> I was trying to find some way to cover up. This the... man played it off so well that I doubted she that doubted I heard, that heard what it. he said. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but it slipped out so naturally. And I know that you guys know what I mean. When you yeah. feel so comfortable and it was so natural, it was effortless to say it. I mean, I didn't even give it a thought. Yeah, It just came out. And then I shocked myself. I was trying to I was trying to vacuum the words back into my mouth. It's like it's too late. It's out there. So it's out there now. Yeah. It was out there. But then, but even then, as we continued in our relationship, like I said, I never, I never revisited that moment, didn't talk about it, anything. And she didn't, which was very important uh, that she didn't go back and like try to hold me to that. And I heard you and now I got it. No, I know. I knew I couldn't do that. And then the, but the key point was that towards the end of the school year, uh, due to financial, uh, all of her financial aid didn't come through. So she literally had to leave school before her first year of school was over. Wow. And uh, so uh, I was preparing for this moment. Like, it's like, I could not see the rest of my life without her. Wow. And that's the only way I know how to put it. It's like, she's about to be sent home. We're looking at the real possibility that I will never see her again. I also have to remember, this was 43 years ago. There was no internet. Nope. There, there was no, no texting and emailing. Nope. If somebody no left your life, it really could be forever. Yeah, you saw them, yeah. Yeah, like, I could have your phone number, but that... There was that was no way in those days to really stay in contact with someone. Back in those days, you paid for long distance phone yeah. calls. 
you know. <laughs> <laughs> and we did run up long oh, distance we bills. Blew up the telephone. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, I saw, I saw the reality that I could, she could walk out of my life and I never see her again, and I just couldn't see it. So that night, the night before. Uh, she was uh, going to take the airplane and fly back to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and fly out of my life. I told her everything. Told her how I felt. Didn't hold back. Told her. Told her those words. I can't see uh, my life without yours. Here we are, and we're very young, eighteen and nineteen yes. years old, wow. with this level of talking. Like yeah. I can't see my life without you. Without you in it. And I said, somehow, some way. We're going to be together. We're going to be together. Don't know how, but we will be together. Because, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm crying. I'm She's like crying. a baby. And <laughs> because think, you're leaving the next day. Like, to get all that on the day before you're leaving, I would have been like, you couldn't tell me this, like, that was, <laughs> that is exactly where I was. Really, dude? You, now you tell me? You tell me on the <laughs> night before I leave. <laughs> But you know, uh, I made the most of it. I, so, so that's pretty much was how it went. And uh, and I was with a a ministry group. I played drums. Another one of the things that I was that I did for a ministry team, and we traveled all of that summer. And she had our itinerary, and so we ministered in churches all over the United States. And she had our schedule, and somehow, she timed her letters that every every city that we traveled to there was a letter waiting for me at that church wow no idea but i mean it got to the point it was a joke amongst our our ministry group when the pastor or secretary or whoever would come out and say welcome we're so glad to see you guys for coming to our city to minister and we have a letter here for chris green <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere, so it just kind of became this thing in the group. Like every church we go to, and no matter what city and what state, there's going to be a letter there for Chris Green. She did that. It was it was amazing. That is, awesome. that is so sweet. And we still have those <laughs> letters. You still have right? the letters. Still have them. Absolutely, we have them. Absolutely. Uh, so this this relationship was destined to make it. Right. And, and uh, so. And she made her way back about a year later. She moved back to the city where the school where where we were turning going to school. That was Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, and she was living for me. You know, she's off campus with friends, and uh, I'm still on campus. But it was also a very dangerous time in our life because then we was able to get away and spending time together alone. And so that's when we you know we started getting too too physical too and all familiar. of it going too going too far getting very very familiar and going way too far with each other and we felt you know we knew this was violating all of the things that we were taught that we were taught yeah. but we, it was just a time of life not offering any excuse but we share this for those couples that have this in their past as well where they got intimate or maybe if they didn't go all the way that was the other thing is we wouldn't go all the way but we went far enough that we know this is too far. Yeah. And there are a lot of couples who are like that, you know, like you may not be the perfect start. And we didn't have the perfect start. We uh and but one of the things that we learned out of that was 
and what we were taught out of that is that you really that the the gift of intimacy in your relationship it really is a gift it, it really is a gift we were glad that we had at least waited uh and we had a you know we, we had a series of things that happened to us one of them was a car accident that we were in we, we were almost killed in this car accident literally the car was flipped upside oh, down it's fun spun around and flipped upside down and yeah. so that happened while all that we were in this desk we call it our state of desperation yes, you know to two, two uh, uh young people young people working, working. we were working together. jobs and going to school and i'm going to school she's working job and spending all our time as much time as we could to, to be together to stay together and wow. in that state we have this accident and so from that accident, we got together and was like, okay, Lord, okay, we need to, okay uh, Lord, we, 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 we got to be serious. We're going to go ahead and get married and, and, uh, and pursue this the way we really should. And so we did, we got married in, uh, in, in, uh, January of, uh, 1981, right after Christmas. And we actually wanted, we were still living in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We, so we got married right after Christmas. We had to go to, we went to the justice of the peace. Uh, and that was on December the 29th 19. Uh, in 1980. And my, my family, in particular, my one of my brothers who's passed away now, he insisted that we have a church wedding in St. Louis. And so the only way we could have a church wedding in St. Louis was if we went on and got married by a JP in Oklahoma. But you can't take and, a license you can't, you can't state cross line. states with a, with a license. So you have to get married in the same state where you got your license. Yeah. So we got licensed in Oklahoma. And so we went on and got married in front of a JP. Oh, we went that. to Lewis five days later and had a church wedding in my home church mm. uh, in St. Louis and, and by uh, my pastor uh, and, at the time. And and to answer that question that sometimes people ask, did y'all wait to the to the JP or to the to the church wedding? We waited for the church wedding. <laughs> 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 but our family just was incredible. It I mean, was, they paid for so our trip to be able to get, get there yes. and um, and for us to have the wedding and yes. the reception and everything. That's just that's the kind of family that I come from. And she was <laughs> actually and eventually we moved to St. Louis and we lived there. Uh, for 24 years before coming to Harrisburg, and we've been in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, the last 16 years, and so there's the 40. <laughs> <laughs> that is so awesome. So that brings us to the next question, which is, what did marriage look like from the beginning to year 10, 20, 30, and 40 years into the game? Okay. Oh, the first few years. The first, the first 10. Let's go with the yeah, first, first 10. 10 was about uh the become becoming one becoming one um getting rid of <laughs> baggage getting rid of preconceived ideas yeah um yeah because even though we had yeah. we, even though we were very close and and had a great relationship for three and a half years before marriage yeah. A whole nother dynamic kicks in. Yes. And I know you'll know this. Somehow <laughs> something happens when you say I do. Yeah. So something just happens. Yeah. I, I said this yesterday, I believe. There is a spiritual consequence that occurs when you get married. Yes. Well, you can be girlfriend and boyfriend and co yeah. for years and years and yeah. years. Get yeah. married and be divorced in like two or three right. years. Right. You're not. Yeah. You're not prepared. Yeah. I always say that uh, 
the, when we got married, do you remember? I was like, wait, you're still here. Like, <laughs> and it was such a, a difference, right? Cause we were together for a while and, you know, we planned this whole marriage. We were in counseling from the time we started dating. So it was like, we knew what was coming next, but then all of a sudden we were married and I was like, oh wait, this is different. Like you're still here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I just can't. I just, I just can't. Something, just, something's stopping me. I, those words are coming out of my mouth. And my, or now and my, it's hard to believe that you will actually stay here long enough to go through my go through. Yeah. Yeah. Like now I have to be completely exposed. Like yeah. I've got to completely yeah. show you who I am. There is no like, oh, the date's over. Now I get to go home and. No. You're <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it was all real. And for me, think, I was kind of oblivious in, a, in our first years to where she really was because um, we were living in, well, the first, our first six months was, was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So it was just working and, you know, I'm thinking, we're, we're good. But then I started noticing that she would get quiet and wouldn't respond, just shut down. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening here. You know, you know, sometimes I think of the, some of the movies where people just go, what's happening? <laughs> I, I don't know what's happening right now. She's not talking. And uh, I come from a very vocal family, a, a very opinionated family. So I didn't realize how much I was dominating conversations mm -hmm. or uh, pushing my opinion and all that. Cause to me, it was just the normal way of expressing yourself. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't know that I was scaring her in some ways. That's the best way I know how to put it. Uh, and, and so uh, she also, she can tell you, she had a fear that I was going to leave. Yeah. For the my from my point of view arguing always led to uh, led to separation or divorce because that's what i saw mm -hmm. that's what i grew up with that's what happened in my house i saw arguments lead to separation and then eventually divorce so for me i'm not i don't want that to happen so i sh i shut down i would shut up i wouldn't say anything yeah because i didn't that's i didn't want it to go there right and i didn't know how to argue my point. I really didn't. I had never seen, I was not taught how to do that. Um, it, and it really didn't happen in my household. I just saw the argument. I did not see any conversations leading up to the point where it, it went to arguing. Um, so I wasn't taught how to. Um, so to here I am it. making my points and stating my, making my statements or I'm like, okay. And she would just stop talking. I'm like, what? What, what what did I say? Yeah. And I didn't know. Cause I, cause, and, that, and that's where one of the places where our different family backgrounds and our different dynamics. That's why I talked about it earlier, coming from a big city and a smaller city and a very vocal family, opinionated family. Her family's real quiet. Real and, quiet. And her, and she also had, you know, divorce was in her, in her family. And her dad had left when she was 11 years old. Yeah. And so and my, my parents were still together. And so there were so many things that I was clueless. I didn't have no idea right. how, how my strong personality, even though I wasn't a loud person and I wasn't very, I wasn't really talkative, but I was opinionated. And that's many people think a lot of people who are opinionated are talkative. I wasn't, I didn't really talk a lot. It's just that when I did talk, 
I was very firm and frank about what I believe. Right. But when I would do that, she would close up and I'm like, mm -hmm. what? And so, and we were, we ran into that miscommunication thing. I didn't understand what she was saying. And like, we didn't have all these problems when we was, you know, practically living together. Right. Why can't we talk now? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so we sat down because uh, it got reached the point of great frustration. Like you, that's when you start having those thoughts of, did I make a mistake? You know, what, what, where have we gone wrong? And so um, we sat down and talked and we just kind of made this agreement and we made a pact. And it was, okay, uh, uh, this is what we're going to agree to do while we're trying to work this out. I'm going to, let's always choose to believe that no matter what, what, how you how say, you say what, what you're you saying, say. that's the key. No matter how you say what you say, I'm going to choose to believe that you love me. And that you're saying it because, and that you, you're want saying it because you want the best for me. You just don't mm -hmm. know, maybe you don't know how to say that right now. You don't know how to express it right now. Yeah. So by that time, we were 21, 22 years old. Again, we look back and we go, I can't believe that, that, that God graced that us that with that level of wisdom yeah. at such a young age. 22. I feel like most yeah. people don't have that well into their years. <laughs> to catch that. And then like soon after you were married too, that's phenomenal. Yeah, that's that, was, that was four or five months in. Yes. I mean, because the other thing is, you know, so, but that's four or five months into marriage, but really at that point, we had known each other four years. Right. Yeah. So four years into the relationship, we, I think looking back now, we had enough groundwork there to see, to see, okay, we're hurting each other, offending each other, but that's not what we're meaning to do. Right. So somehow we've got to figure out a way to work on our, on the health of our marriage while we're working on the injuries yeah. because to, cause there's a difference between, you know, people, so some people are in the hospital because they've been injured. Some people are in the hospital because they're sick. Yeah. yeah. And so we realized that we had both injury and sickness. And so somehow we got to be able to work through the injuries while we're trying to get healthy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and I can say that looking back now, we didn't know. Oh. Back then, all we knew is, okay, let's just agree that we're going to believe the best of each other. Right. That's basically what that pack was. I'm just, let's just believe we're going to, you know. We're going uh, to talk. We're going to talk. And, have the conversation. And say just, what you need to say. And just realize it might not come out right because I'm still trying to figure out what I'm trying to figure out. I don't know why I react this way. Right. I don't know Seriously. why. I'm responding to you this way. Yeah. And so let's just choose to believe that we're, you're coming, that the other person is coming from a good place. Yeah. Yes. Even right. if their actions don't show that right now. And I could do that because we had enough history for me to see that he cared for me. He really did care for me. I mean, for things that he had already seen of me, that he <laughs> cared. He cared. I knew he cared. There was no doubt in my mind that he loved me. And then I realized why that was so important that in our, when our college days, in those first days, that first moment of telling her right up yes. front, I'm already in a relationship. Yes. And even from that, to remain friends. That took root. And so she had a history that this guy 
is not playing me. He has integrity. He's, he's not playing me. So, and I didn't know that that would come up, you know, Later on. once we got married, that it was so good that we started off that way with just laying everything on the table with each other because after we got married, that's all we had to, that was our goal to it was. go back to how we first got started. We laid it all on the table with each other. And so that was that first 10 years. Then we yes. spent the next 10 years literally figuring it out. Creating our own alphabet. Yeah. Figuring out why I act the way I do, why I respond to going. What, we, my, what our triggers What were. our triggers were, family dynamics that created those these, triggers. Those triggers um, and all of that. So, and for us, interestingly enough, you know, the first 10 years of our life, there was majority of the years of us being in our in our 20s. Yeah. And so it's been, you know, the things that you go through anyway in your 20s where you've got adult responsibilities, but people don't treat you, you like an adult. No oh, yeah, you're no not respect. an adult. No, you're yeah. still a kid. You're still <laughs> a kid. And so even though we were married, like right? and we, I know we did. So when we tell people that we were married, it's like, no. Nah. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> How old are you? <laughs> So by the time we was 30 years old, we had been married eight years. And so that was just like people like, eight years, come on. You, you know, you look, you look like you. you look, like teenagers. Like teenagers. And so I'm like, we are. And, <laughs> and, but that's how it was those first 10 years. You're right. It was just yeah. getting, figuring things out. The and then we, and we had our first child at 20. Uh, I was... I was 27. Carol's 28. By the way, she's a year older than me, so she yeah. robbed the cradle. But she, uh, I told her the reason why that was, she had to come here first so God could get her ready for me. <laughs> she had to have a year and a couple of months to get ready for me. No, I say that in serious joking. <laughs> but, so you were uh, yeah. 27 and 28. I mean, yeah. Say again. You were 27 and 28 when you had your first. When we yes. had our first child. It's yeah. crazy when Marcus and I think about it. Um, by the time I was 27, we were on our second, third, third, our third kid. See, so when you guys talk yeah. about people not taking you seriously. Like yeah. I remember even, even to this day, if I tell people, they're like, how many kids do you have? Like one or two? I'm like, five. They're like, five. <laughs> Are you even old enough to have five kids? I'm like, I am. <laughs> I, I, it's real. I'm serious. It's really real. <laughs> so that's what it was. And then, yeah. So, and, and yeah, so the other thing about the first 10 years was our first time becoming parents. Uh, and then going through the adjustment, which I know you identify with, and those who are listening that you identify with is that dynamic of going from husband and wife to mom and dad is a serious adjustment. Yes. Oh my lord, that's amazing. Marriage. Yeah. Oh, uh, the an whole dynamic. Another yeah. person has now entered in, into our relationship. And the dynamics of of watching all of her time and energy go into this other human being. I had to fight uh, being envious of my, my my infant son. Like you got all of my wife's attention 
down. And my only way of fighting that was then I had to engage. And that's what I did. I engaged. So I actually started uh, getting up for the, for the uh, midnight feedings. Uh, as soon as I get home from work, I would, because during the, the, you know, my wife went on maternity leave when he was born. And, um, and so I come home from work and take him from her to give her some time uh, to herself. But I began to see that as this was my time with him. Right. Uh, and to bond with my son. So I would say that, uh, that I, that my way of getting out of that, creating a problem, because uh, it can be. And I think, I think that becomes a real issue for a lot of men. They want their wives to still be who she was before uh, she before had the baby children. before the children, but that's all BC, as we call it, before children. Yeah. So <laughs> your wife BC is she's gone. She'll never be that again. Actually, she's gonna be better. Yeah. Uh, something happens. I I remember I had this brother told me he said, "Dude, when um, he said I'm gonna let you in on a secret. The, as your wife gets older, she's gonna get finer." <laughs> and at Absolutely true. <laughs> absolutely true. She has to look at me now, but it was absolutely true. Yeah. But, and that is because she gets finer in every way in her features, but the love capacity that comes forth when, when she's a, when she becomes a mother and when you jump in there to help, uh, uh, then it expanded her love capacity for me, right. something happened. And even that, I didn't know this. Again, more secrets. It was attractive. I was just going to say, yeah. that was attractive to her to see me with our, with our son. Sure. And I didn't know that. I, this is the kind of things I've heard women talk about this. Uh, the husband who comes home, who helps at the house, who helps with the children, and how that endears you to her. But I didn't know that. I'll, well, all from my point of view, I was just trying to fight that sensation of feeling envious <laughs> yeah. of my son taking up all of the time. Like I'm jumping in here too. I'm going to, I'm going to bond with my son myself. And so that was, that was also part of that first 10 years. The reason why we bring that up, we became new parents and learning this whole thing about <laughs> adding another person Being in the mix. Being enlarged to, yeah. to, yeah, to be able to add more people into our relationship. Right. So that was the first 10 years. Uh, in the next 10, uh, we were going into this, and then we had our twins. Uh, so then all of a sudden, from our perspective, you go from one child to three. Mm. And <laughs> twins was hard. I mean, we did every two years for oh, that's awesome. three years. Yeah, the last three are two years exactly. But I couldn't <laughs> imagine doing two at one time. Like, that was a whole lot. Just <laughs> That was... That was, that was. That was unexpected. Yeah. Um, and. I knew twins ran in my family. I didn't know they ran in his. Mm. And so all of a sudden, yeah, we went from one to three and then we were five. Yeah. Um, and by that time we had started in working in, in ministry. Yes. Uh, been again working in the, my, my older brothers uh, started a church and and we were in there plugging in uh, to help and the twins came and life just took off in a it was very hard it was a very difficult time 
Um, but we learned so much about ourselves. Uh, we learned the, we enjoyed our children immensely. I will say that we did not see them as interfering no, with ministry the and interfering with work. They, they were the point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> For ministry and seeing life work. through their eyes, oh. enjoying life through their eyes was it was a blast. Yes, yeah. it, it was. It yeah. still is, actually. and it still is to this day. Uh, as we as they were growing up, little toddlers, and our oldest son, you know, he just was the best big brother Seriously. in the oh, world. Wow. <laughs> oh, to this day, he loves his brothers, and uh, so moving into that and uh, uh, and and life and home ownership. Yes, and, the 30s, we, uh, we, yeah, we moved into our first uh, home, house. Yeah, so home ownership, and we were in full-time ministry eventually, and we were placed over the youth ministry. Um, and, and so all of a sudden, we were... Our family enlarged, little, actually, literally because enlarged. they became our kids, too. Yeah, so we had our five and the teenagers in the church. Yeah. And our church grew really fast. We started with seven. And by the time we took over the youth ministry and Carol and I were, uh, had prominent roles in the ministry, our church exploded to 700. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And, and um, we, were, we were doing youth. Um, youth, young and, adults. And praise and worship. Praise and worship. And I was over media ministry and the community outreach. And I, 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 it'd be easy for me to tell you what, what, I, we, what, didn't. what we didn't do. <laughs> but we had some serious marriage challenges in that time. Yeah. Um, well, uh, particularly when after the twins were born. I because I was home. Yeah. And he was at the church most of the time. Most of the time. And we, per we had purchased a new building. The ministry was really starting to grow, and I was, I was, in, I was the behind-the-scenes guy, making things happen, administrative, and everything. Making sure everything was in place, uh, yeah. law-wise, legal, the government uh, permits, and yes. all of that stuff. And so I was doing about eighty hours a week. And I was not happy. My wife. Were you working full time too, or was the church your full time? That was my full time job. Eighty hours, though. That's eighty hours. A 80 lot. Hours. I mean, that's, I think that's where you kind of are right now too. And I can appreciate yeah. that one. Like, yeah, we know that part of the journey. I would not recommend that to anybody, yeah. uh, but it was just a situation. And here's what, on, where I would communicate it to Carol. I would say, this would be the same, even if we were, if this if was our own business. business. Because every business goes through this period. And right. at that time, the church was uh, oh. about five years old, then six year, year seven. And I say every business goes through this where somebody has to put in the time to get it over that hump when you're first getting started um, because it just gets hit with so many things. So I kept giving her light at the end of the tunnel. It won't always be this way. Eventually, we'll be able to hire people and hire a staff and I'll be able to delegate all these responsibilities to other people. Um, and that was kind of like the only thing that she had to hold on to. And again, going back to the pack and going back to the times I had made promises and I kept them. Yeah. So she's like, that was the only thing she had to like, okay. He's definitely a promise keeper. He, he keeps his word. He's kept his promises, but we still was not happy. We were, it was a miserable time oh. as far as uh, our intimacy. There was hardly none uh, and work and children and children and, and work problems. and 
at church. And People dropping the ball so that he would have to pick it up. Yeah, all of that. <laughs> angry wife. She's very angry, very upset. She prayed and talked to the Lord about it. Oh, she, my. she would tell God on me. <laughs> 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 We've heard other people talk about that too. I'm telling God. <laughs> I'm telling God, and she did, and um, and the Lord began to actually begin to speak to me about uh, what was happening and where my priorities needed to be, and God did this wonderful thing. There was a sister in the church who was a beautician. She owned her own uh, shop, and she gave offered my wife free hair care for an entire year. Wow. And we're talking weekly. Every week. Every week. Yes. Weekly free hair care for an entire year. Jeez. And I feel like the Lord spoke to me and said, uh, I'm doing this because she's my daughter. But when this year is over, uh, I want this you I want you to make her a priority mm. in the budget and make sure that this continues. And so it got my mind straight about the priority that my wife must have. Yes. Uh, and and I did. And so there was practical things that, that I did because I really was, I, I know this may sound like a side note, but I, I controlled the finances from a place of fear, always afraid there wasn't going to be enough mm -hmm. and all of that. And so when I say control, I don't mean I controlled her. I was operating out of just a sense of there will never be enough. So I'm, he so wanted I'm, to always make sure we had what we needed to cover any emergency that might happen. Yeah. And he was always thinking about I always think again because of my upbringing yeah. and all of that. So I was operating out of fear and out of that fear, I wouldn't set aside money for her to take care of herself mm -hmm. or money for play, money for going out. Things like that, because you know, my mind—if I spend the money to go out, then it's irresponsible. Then, then the, we might have a problem with the car. Right. And the car goes down, and now I don't have the money for the car because I spent it on going out. Uh, our city is real close to Six Flags uh, amusement park in St. Louis, and so I, you know, even if I had the money to go to Six Flags, I wouldn't take her and all the family to Six Flags because I was so afraid mm -hmm. that there wouldn't be enough. And so God used that season to get me out of that fear and to trust him. And he did it by providing that service for her and told me to make sure when this year is over that your wife is a priority in the family budget. And it actually freed me not only for her, but for the kids and everything. Uh, wow. So that was a real lesson into that second, uh, uh, the next second, 20 years. Second decade. And then we did a vow renewal. We actually did a vow renewal at year 20 for our 20th yes. anniversary. Yes. I bought our first ring because that's part of the story. Uh, we really didn't have the money for a real, a real oh, wedding, wedding ring, ring when yeah. we first got married. Because like I said, we went to the Justice of the Peace and I used the, we, we got wedding we bands, yeah. but I never got near the diamond and mm -hmm. all of that. And so in our 20th anniversary, I was able to buy her a diamond ring. That's awesome. Uh, Yes, and it meant a lot at year 20. Yeah. Uh, right. it, meant, it meant a whole lot at year 20 to be able to do that. Uh, the next round of years uh, was the Lord really getting us ready, when uh, we say, yeah, for, yeah. for our life's work. Yes. And, uh, and it was 
we were moving to a greater levels of maturity, say going from our 30s into our 40s. In fact, I was 45 years old when we moved here to when we moved to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Okay. And um, so God was getting us ready for our life's work, uh, for what we would eventually be doing, what we're doing today. And so, uh, and also with our kids getting grown, getting older, God was getting us ready for empty nest. <laughs> getting us ready for the time when the children would be gone and it would be back to just us. Right. And that did happen in our, so, yeah. and then leading all the way up until now, these last, the last, these last 10 years have really been spent with the, with us getting to know each other all yeah. over again. Because it's different. Well, now, it's yeah. Now different. that you have no kid, Marcus and I talk about that all the time is what is it going to look like? Um, when we have nobody with us. Like right now we're knee deep in babies. Yeah. They're because right now what do we yeah, tw- twelve, twelve, eleven, eleven six, six four, four, and, and one. Yeah. So we are like baby, baby. <laughs> yeah, but every stage. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's gonna be interesting. Even now I actually look at our older two and I'm like. You guys are so close to leaving. Like, what's gonna happen? <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, bye. Like, we're just here for our driver's license, and <laughs> we're going like where we're going to live for the next couple of years. But it's interesting though, because since we're so like, like you said, waist deep, we always talk about what is that going to look like when it's just us. Uh, which is why we always focus on making us a priority because at some point yeah. in time they are going to leave and i always we always say like we want to be happily married when yeah. the last one goes like i don't want to look at him one day and be like i don't like like who I are you who are you and i don't like you right. <laughs> yeah. so we always like that's our big thing is making sure that we are a priority and our children know that we are a priority because we we tell them to one day you guys are going to leave and Dad and I still have to be married. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. Yes, so indeed. funny that you would say that. And of course we were raising all sons and the sons uh, got to sometimes got to the point in their lives where they would kind of, the word that's used is raise up on their mother, uh, talking back and, you know, raising their fists like they're going to fight their mother. And so the one time uh, our, oldest. our oldest son did I, that. I, I, and they were, all of them were just getting a bad mood. So I, I yelled out. No, in no, the no, house. no. Before they even got there. Oh. I don't know, because he got up all up on oh, me yeah. like he was going to hit me or something. Yeah. And before I knew it, I had him. I she just, grabbed, him grabbed him by the him up. He was up on the wall. <laughs> like, before I knew it. They're like, okay. You, you don't know me. I grew, I grew up in the hood. You don't know that. <laughs> Right. And um, and I actually made an announcement to all of our sons. They were talking back to their mom and everything. And I said, hey, that's my wife you're talking to. Ooh. And suddenly, oh, yeah. and they, t- they later told us, they said, dad, when you did that, that was a realization moment that this that's isn't just our mother. Yeah. Right. When you said that, this is your wife, mm-hmm. that it put them in a place that it put their mom in a place that they had never seen before. Right. That she's, because you know, there's, there's kind of this ownership thing, this right. our this mother, mom. this right. is my mom. 
And so when I say it, that's my wife you're talking to, then all of a sudden, a new dynamic was introduced into their world. And I think it's one of those things that might be missing uh, in some ways uh, with so many kids growing up without the father in the home, uh, mm-hmm. that respect that, that uh, many people are not seeing in the home can right. be. I'm not saying I, you know, that I know all the answers to that, but it can, that can be part of the dynamic without a man there like I did in that moment. It didn't take it beating my sons to say that. It, uh, no, nothing physical, no slapping, no punching, just a statement. Just That's your my word. wife talking to. And yeah. they got the point immediately. And right. So I think that sometimes people are afraid, or uh, maybe even out of their own bad experiences with men and fathers in, in the home. And they immediately go to the toxic things like physical violence and screaming and yelling. But for, for us, it didn't take that. It just took, it was a learning teachable moment. Yeah. And just to make the distinction in their head, that's my wife. <laughs> so that's kind of what it's been for us. Uh, and so those are the years of making that kind of discovery. So I know we've covered a lot, but it's like in our in our growing, it became it was becoming parents, becoming parents of teenagers, then becoming parents of young adults, then the letting them go, and along with just being healed of of and releasing old baggage. Um, and growing into um, the people that God always wanted us to be. uh, Growing in character. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. giving us a serious uh, trip down down memory. So this is a, after 40 years and you guys are making us go back through our lives. Like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I know. We are so intrigued. We definitely wanted to hear because we are on year seven. Yep. Um, so we, yeah. So we love to hear how people have, you know, created this journey for themselves. I think for us, um, I grew up in a household that by the time I was raised by my grandparents for the most part, and by the time they passed away, they had been together for almost 60 years. So got to witness firsthand what that was like. Yeah. Um, But I think that's rare, right? For a lot of people to have that experience of being able to see somebody together for so long. So I love to hear other stories. Yeah, yeah. So let's see, we're going to go to the next question. This is a good one. This is a good one. <laughs> what was one thing that you thought to be true about marriage, but you found not to be true once you were married? Let me go. Let me take that. She got to go first. <laughs> like, I'm ready. <laughs> because I really wanted him to know what I wanted without having to say it. I'm pointing <laughs> for those who can't see us because. I thought that was just a given. I thought you could read my mind. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what all the Hollywood right. movies. That's what everything um, showed me, is that I just had to make a look or something, and you would know exactly what it was in that moment. Yeah, it worked. Paul. Oh. Like, no. 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 I had to say it. I always said, you have to tell me what, what it is that you expect. And, and I think that's part of it is that you think that if you have to say it, it's going to diminish yeah, the moment the moment or diminish the value of it. But it doesn't. Mm-hmm. 
when you actually articulate what your needs are, it actually becomes what fun. your expectations are. Unless you see, she, she, it, she's right. It becomes fun. It actually becomes okay. Then we'll, then I'll try that. We'll try yeah. this, and and we didn't. And it wasn't something that once the person stated what they needed, what they expected. Uh, it's not like the other one. Then like, now I'm going to hold you to it. Now that I mm. told you that, and now I'm going to see if you do it or not. Like, yeah. no, it's constantly kept giving each other the freedom in the room, even after you state what your expectation is, what your needs are. Still give the the freedom in the room for them to adjust, yeah. and actually even remember to do it. Right. Because uh, that's another thing. Carol could tell me what she needed, what she expected, but because it wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a part of who it wasn't was. part of who I was. So I, it was something I would have to mm. work at, which means I'm going to forget to do it yeah. a few times before I before right. it sticks. <laughs> so, um, I, I I learned that you got you cannot make a value judgment off of personal preference. Uh, I learned that uh, you. It, it was very easy to assume um, that that Carol um, I didn't care that she didn't care that, that that some of her reactions were I don't care or or you know you know because that's what that that's what that facial expression always meant, meant. so I wouldn't so I thought that once you get married to somebody that same thing, maybe from the male point of view. I I thought that she would just know not to do certain things or to do certain things. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I think that there's a lot of things that you just assume. Yeah, you just assume so much. But uh, I would, and I think we both share that. Share that one is the biggest one that the person would just know. What what you or continue to know, or and and really, yeah, and then keep remembering, <laughs> and so we had. Uh, I I didn't. I thought marriage would be, uh, this give and take and automatically knowing and all of that, and you just don't. You really got to say no. You got to say no. Don't do that. Yeah. I don't like that. You you have to actually have to say no when you raise your voice. That that that, that, bothers, right. that bothers me. Uh, I know you don't mean anything about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, when you chew with your mouth open, I, I, wish you were <laughs> I think I've said that recently. <laughs> and I'm not saying for Carol. I mean for me too. It's like you know. Just... Most, no, most of the time it is. No, I think it's me too. I like food. I, I like food, yeah. and I I'm enjoying it. And sometimes I get carried away. Yeah. So, yeah. And there's just so many things that you just don't even realize are yep. going to be an issue. Some one person likes, I mean, I like, I like sleeping with a night light or some light and she likes sleeping in absolute mm. total dark. And it's just things like that. You just you used to sleep with music. And another thing, I used to go to sleep with music playing yeah. and she could because I'll be laying there singing or humming. Yeah. My mind would start tracking. So, like now all the thoughts are going in my mind. I need complete darkness, silence. Like my mind yeah. needs to just stop. <laughs> and my mind was more of, I need music playing and sound 
And like, I mean, I'm the type of person I really could sleep in the daytime with sun shining in my face. I can That's go to Marcus. Sleep. Yay! <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Napper. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And so I just assumed in marriage that you would automatically fit and mm. click. Uh, and especially, like I said, we knew each other for three and a half years before we got married. So I thought all of that was worked out. But not it's, not. Together <laughs> it's not worked out. And I realized there are certain things I think you mentioned earlier. Sometimes people who, you know, cohabitating before they get married and somehow the things that was cute and it was okay. But after you say I do, it's <laughs> annoying. <laughs> now it annoys me. But before that was right. so cute, and now it's not cute anymore, <laughs> and it's overnight. It just, just. Why didn't I ever see that before? How come I never heard that before? Uh, that reminds me of us. Like um, when we first got married, I didn't realize Marcus is very touchy feely. He always wants to be like this, like this is his happy place up close, and and me, I'm like we're on the same couch. Like I don't understand. <laughs> all the time so that was something yeah that we definitely had to get used to but those are things that you don't know until you're around the person all the time right so that was funny that it was just like you like to be close oh yeah i mean you know how they say that people don't sleep in real life i do that in real life yes i mean all over just oh my goodness and i'm like Yeah. Uh-huh. And so all of those things that you just don't know, that those were yeah. the biggest ones that yeah. we just didn't know that once you get married, there's you gotta yeah. talk. Right. You you have to talk. Yeah. And I preferred writing. It's per, you know, like you said, we were writers and poets. And a lot of us who were writers and poets, not everybody, but a lot of creative people. Uh, are introverts, and this expression is just this is your way of getting it getting it out. out. But basically, you're an introvert, and when when two introverts come together, as we we had to be we introduced we I mean we had to be introduced twice <laughs> to get us to talk to each other. So, so that's serious two introverts. And yeah. the only and we found our common ground by exchanging our books. So we had to really work at communicating yeah. because we were accustomed to living in our own world. individual world worlds and expressing our thoughts through writing. And then we had to we had to talk. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't write it and hand it to <laughs> And it's funny because our situation is a little different in that even though I'm not an introvert, I'm like right on that line. He's right on the cusp. Right on that line. And she is very much on the other end, on the end of being an extrovert. And so I have no problem talking, but I always have to find the right words or analyze how I feel about the feeling. Because I can tell you how I feel, but am I even right in the way that I feel? Because if I present you with this, yeah. I'm going to sound foolish out loud. 
<laughs> on the other hand, that I'm like, it came to my feel. mind. It's in there, it's and it's just up. like a, 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 in one, one foul swoop. Yep. It's thought cross your mind out. Yeah. And so we had to learn, and and still learning, what ways work best for us right. in terms of communicating, and even you know from what you were saying um, a little while ago in terms of assuming love. That's something that we have to, especially for me, have to yeah. put in place because it didn't come very nice often. <laughs> it wasn't it, nicely it came, packaged. Yeah. It came in hot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were meekers. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny because it's like it does take intentional work. It takes effort. It takes right. um being in the moment and 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 not doing like what you were saying, you know, assuming because the ass, assuming is like the killer of, of, of progress, movement, and communication. Right. So it really taken us a it's lot a, of hard conversations and talks. It, and we had and we had a lot. Uh, one of our key moments in our life and in our relationship was a time when we got into a huge fight of huge I mean this argument was intense and it was one of those that lasted we 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 went into quiet mode and didn't talk to each other all day and then it's time to go to bed and you everybody knows about this one yeah. you don't want to go to bed <laughs> if you do go to bed I'm gonna no, be on, I don't want to touch I'm you. gonna be on my extreme don't side of the bed you'll be on your extreme side I don't even want your pajamas <laughs> like the divider blanket in the uh, middle like don't you come <laughs> like you try to yeah. tuck it in and you get irritated and you get irritated even when they move <laughs> in the bed because I don't even want to buy I braces I don't want to hear I don't even want the vibrations of you turning over in the bed to come over on my side. Just total irritation. Well, so we had this big fight and it was time to go to bed and I don't feel like going through because you don't sleep too. That's the other thing. You're not going to get any sleep. You're both sitting there fuming and angry. So I said to my wife, I said, I want to lose this fight. Wow. Yeah, and that's I, exactly what I did. And I watched her show. I would have sunk. Slowly go down. <laughs> and it changed everything. I said, I'm, I, just need, I just need to be able to say what I'm saying. And I want to know from your point of view if I'm seeing this right. Mm. And it changed everything. Mm -hmm. Then we ended up talking for the next two or three hours. Oh, yeah. Because I was no longer trying to prove right. a point, and and she could, she was able to see that I wasn't trying to prove myself as being right. I want to know. It's like you said, Marcus. I'm trying to express my feelings, and I'm trying to express, am I feeling right about right. my feelings? But it's hard to get to that deeper level because everyone in a relationship, marriage siblings no matter what everybody wants to express their feelings but it's that how i feel about what i'm feeling is the deeper place yeah. that i believe most people are trying to mm -hmm. get to is this true what i'm feeling is this true what i'm feeling is this real what i'm feeling am i just is it or am i just being triggered by something that really doesn't have anything to do with what we're fighting yeah. right. about and so I love talking with you guys about this because you get this. You get that there's something 
that are else that we're trying to get to, but we don't know how to right. get there. Yeah. yeah. And marriage is about giving each other space and time <laughs> to get to the other feeling that's behind right. the feeling. <laughs> we talked about that. We talked about that in another episode, and it's really just about studying and learning your spouse to right. speak the same language, yeah. you know. Uh, we're talking That's about, it. you know, in terms of, you know, if 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 your spouse is is a level of education, you should be looking to, you know, like grad school level I need, by I need, year seven. Eight. Right, right. <laughs> I need to have a PhD. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and when I got to know who she really is, uh, then you really start understanding where she's coming right. from. I mean, I got to the point where uh, I was just trying to keep up and really get to know uh, the timing of when to bring up things. She did. She definitely did it with me. She noticed that my pattern was when I got home from work, if I get an hour, just just an hour to to transition from work to home i'll be i'm good it was something that she noticed that i really wasn't aware of i didn't come home and demand like just give me an hour to chill she recognized that that was my right pattern. and so she would tell the boys and everybody don't don't jump on dad right now when he first comes home giving him, him an hour and when i when I really, she, well, I heard, I think I heard her one time saying that to the boys and it was like, oh my God, she knows me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> she knows me better than I right. know myself. <laughs> but it was such a compliment to realize that my wife had been studying me and watching my mm -hmm. patterns. And so instead of getting offended that uh, he he's not ready to talk to me as soon as he comes home or taking the fact that I needed that transition as uh, what I call a value judgment, like, oh, so I'm not important enough that mm -hmm. you can talk to me. No, no it, it wasn't any of that. She just recognized that if I had that, if I had that transition, then I could be all in mm -hmm. at home. And then from that point, I was talk with her, playing with the kids, everything, but I needed that transition from work mode <laughs> to coming home and be, and be daddy and yeah, husband, be present. Be present. I, and I couldn't be present uh, coming out of that, like we talked about all those hours at work and ministry. And, and I think that was even part of a, the argument that we had. And it's like, uh, I, I said, you keep seeing this as ministry, but this is my work. Yeah. And just like on any job, I can't just walk off the job and right. come home. I can't just leave the church and right. come home. And so that was one of those, I went, I went to a big speech and everything all about how people in the church don't understand that when you're a pastor, that this is your job and it's not just, you know, and so I, I went way overboard. And so she was, there's no, I'll never forget it. She said, because we were having this talk and we were actually out at a, we were trying to attend a wedding. <laughs> We never made it to the wedding. We to the wedding. Were you in the car? We never made it to the wedding. We never made it we to did the not wedding. make it to the uh, to the reception. To the reception afterwards, because we were arguing about this, my role and responsibilities and priorities and the family and all that, which goes on all the time, whether it's a ministry or 
person's career yeah. or They're job or whatever. Yeah. It's an argument that's taking place millions of times and still going on even now about the, the, the husband or the wife or both and how much time has to be put into the work for the family mm -hmm. to make it financially. But you need time with each other too. And so we were fighting about how are we gonna work that. And so my wife looked at me and said, just take me home. Mm -hmm. <gasps> Woo, okay. And so she hadn't had a response like that since our early mm -hmm. days in our marriage. So we had been married at that point close to 30 years. Yeah. And she was, she's like, just take mm -hmm. me home. So I knew I had hurt her at that point. Just take me home meant you are not listening to me. I am not being heard. And I didn't like how he was talking to me. And you. you're not talking to me right. Because I went all into I got on my soapbox <laughs> and basically preached a message <laughs> about how people don't respect the role and the responsibilities that pastors yeah. have. As if though she didn't right. know all that. <laughs> As if she wasn't in the background going through all of it with you. Yeah. Going through it all with me. <laughs> so I totally missed all of that. So when I said I want to lose this fight, she was, okay, okay now we mm. can talk. I'm not trying. My husband is no longer trying to preach to me. Our and, are yeah. trying to be right because I'm trying really, to be right because yeah. when he said I mean he said the exact thing that would open me to listen to him I'm I, I'm not trying to mm. be right because that's all I thought he was doing yeah so we've had some we've had some moments some really uh very poignant moments that so we still look back on to this day so I know that's a long way to answer that question but this all the stuff didn't have any idea that marriage would mean right. this. We call those intense yeah. fellowships. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I think as American people, you have to, that's something you probably don't know, is that you will have them. There's no way to escape them. Like you're two no, different people coming no. together to create one life. So I think people who like, I, I mean, yeah. I think I said that in one of our episodes, I thought it was going to be like all sunshine and roses and everybody was going to be all happy. And, but that's not the reality. <laughs> that's not the reality. Right. Yes. And to, and to learn that it, it is right. okay. It, it is yeah. okay. It's, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't lead to destruction. Right. It doesn't have to yeah. lead to divorce. That was my grandmother told me that when we uh, we were engaged and she said, I need to tell you something. You need to know this. And I was like, okay. And she said, um, you, there will be days where you will always love Marcus, but you will not like him every single day. And that's the time where you have to fight for your marriage. And I was like, okay. And then I got married and I was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> that was the best advice and it's so true because I will always love you but there are days where it's just like really okay <laughs> like let's yeah. but you gotta fight through that I think that's it's a solid marriage yes and for and for us husbands you have to get to know your wife just like the word of the Lord says you dwell with her according to knowledge you you really have to recognize her seasons her, her moods, uh, I, I, I mean, and 
you know, well, we're talking to married people. So I had to get to know her cycle. I had to get, I mean, I had to understand the dynamics of when certain people came mm. around, uh, how that, how she would respond and react. Uh, because like, like a lot of men, I wanted to just be, that's just her stuff. That's just the thing. That's just women's stuff. And so I'm out of that. That's got <laughs> nothing to do with me. And found out very quickly, oh, yes, it does. <laughs> because if not, if I'm not, if I'm oblivious to where she is emotionally, physically, uh, spiritually, uh, uh, you know, all of all, you know, just think about all of, all of the different wellness cycles, mm -hmm. um, then I'll be, I'll be unintentionally contributing to her mm. frustration and the biggest frustration will be, and that's what I learned. The biggest frustration was that my husband has no idea mm. where I am, even more than what she's right. going through. The frustration is that you're clueless as, as to what I'm going through. And more. Cause I mean, it was, it, it, it there was, the the I'll, I'll add this one the enemy is always crouching and waiting for opportunities for sure for sure when you're in those hard places mm -hmm. in your marriage yeah. uh, i was yeah. i was leading in our church at the time uh during that 20 to 30 year cycle i was leading the new membership class in our church and so a young lady came into the class and See, and <laughs> she, uh, after class, we had them on Wednesday nights. And so after class, she waited around to just about everybody was gone and asked me to mm -mm. take her home. No. Yes. <laughs> and it happened during a time when our, our Carol we and were, I, we were having intense fellowship. We were having intense fellowship. <laughs> so at a time of intense fellowship, uh, Pastor Chris, would you take mm -mm. me home? I don't have a ride home. Would you take me home? And so I was like, uh, no. So I went, to, took her to the church office and said, here's the phone. You can call and get somebody to come pick you up. <laughs> and so, cause I saw it right, right. away. Like here, here he is right now right. in the moment. Cause and I, I'm just, so I share that because it, all of that are the factors that are there. I believe that a husband has to make up his mind way before a temptation moment comes. You have to already have decided yeah. what I'm yeah. going to do. That's part of that's to me. That's just that's not something you decide in the moment. Am I going to am, am I going to go with this feeling or am I going to go with this opportunity? No, that's something to me. You make up your mind. Uh, right. years before, months before, I mean, like, because you know it's coming. That when this kicks in, is to me, it's like a first responder. When the alarm goes off, exactly you already know what you're supposed to do. Right. <laughs> right. So this one, I really like this question too. Um, so if you could talk to your younger self about marriage, what would you say? So this is like way before you even met if you could talk yeah. to your own self, what would you say? I would say, um, to be more realistic about 
about letting him know where I am. That it that it's not Hollywood. It's we are real people um, <laughs> with real um, situations and circumstances that we're coming out of, and we need to to take the time to learn right. each other. It's not yeah. Hollywood, right? I I would say that I would say to my younger self, and this is going to this be the part that may sound a little bit funny. I got to preface it with this statement that even when I was 15, 16 years old, I knew that my wife was out there somewhere and I always had a feeling that she's somewhere on the <laughs> East Coast. And I'm a Midwest kid, St. Louis, and I'm like, I know my wife is somewhere and she's out East. I don't know how I'll ever meet her, but I know she's <laughs> out there. So I would tell my younger self, right. right. <laughs> That is a good one. I would go back and tell myself, you're absolutely right. She really was out there. And and I don't want this to sound corny or anything, but I would tell my younger self, don't sweat it. I was so pessimistic. I, I never expected anything to go right. So that's why I have to preface it by saying these things. That I would tell my younger self, She's out there, and it's going to be better than you could mm. ever wow. imagine. That's that is so awesome. I love that. Yes. Now for our last question. What led you towards marriage advocacy? How did that come about? Oh, yeah. Um, it started actually in our church yeah. um, because there were young couples there who were enamored of our relationship. Yeah. Um, they wanted to be able to have a strong marriage. They wanted to have a good relationship. So they started asking us questions about our relationship and how, how we came to, how we came to be strong in our relationship. Um, it started there really. Yeah. Um, we were placed over um, young adults. Young adults. Um, we used to call it the twenty-something <laughs> yeah. industry, but it actually became the twenty, thirty, forty-something <laughs> because it became it became something that was popular um, in our church. Uh, people were able to be themselves um, and had were able to ask qu any question right. and have an answer, so that a need was met. But it began there. Uh, we began doing premarital counseling, and our class was the most popular um, because we answered real. We gave real answers to questions. We we could give advice as to how to walk through difficult yeah. situations. Um, it began there. That's where it started, um, and so yeah, because. Because of it starting there in our local church, then when we, which we really didn't expect, when we, a uh, few years ago, uh, when we became certified as life coaches, we actually thought that marriage coaching would be primarily what mm -hmm. we would do. Uh, so for us, it was the, it was the absolute. It was top, natural. It was the top reason for move going into life coaching because we, we thought this. Uh, if we're certified in this, trained and certified in this, even though we've been doing it all these years, um, it just 
is we, everything kept always going back to that pack, no matter yes. what we would do in life. Uh, uh, we, and eventually, someone would ask us about how long have you guys been married? That would always come right. up, you know? And once we would tell them, they're like, well, what was the secret to that? And we would say, well, we made a pack. And so it, it didn't matter what the what the venue was, what what the ministry was, what the outreach was. Someone would always ask us, what's the secret to your marriage? And so it wasn't like we pursued marriage advocacy. It literally pursued <laughs> us. <laughs> but we were happy to answer that because we felt like and we're not, I'm not trying to be political and get into social issues, but we felt like uh, the breakdown that we saw happening in the African-American community, in particular in America, uh, kept feeling like um, the, I really do believe that the strength of our community is going to have to come from healthy right. families. And healthy families start with mom and dad, with mom and dad husband and wife. Um, and as long as we are substituting that for, for other things, even the pursuit of riches and, and you know, money and prestige and all that and political power Careers. Uh, and political influence and all of that, if you sacrifice the family for that, then you'll, you'll never really see the freedom that we keep marching and screaming and fighting for. And I don't mean to diminish any of the other issues that are happening in our community, uh, not at all. Uh, everything from police brutality to, to, to welfare, to crime, to abuse, uh, abuse uh, that's happening. I'm not belittling or minimizing any of those. But, uh, but one thing that we have learned and at least experienced in, in our profession, in our profession, for those of you that don't know, is that we are community life coaches serving in the Harrisburg, Pennsylvania region, South Central Pennsylvania, and most of our work has taken place in human services and social services. So we've kind of been on the right. ground training people who work with people in these situations. Yeah. And so one of the things that uh, a key word that's often used in social services, human services, is recidivism. Mm -hmm. And recidivism, you know, is... The, the rate at which people keep getting back on the program or, you know, and so they can't, and they can't, and then everybody's struggling trying to reduce recidivism and people keep falling back into their old habits and old patterns. And so for us, and we're marking, and we're watching more organizations and agencies try to break the cycles of recidivism. And that, and that is, we're going to stop treating the symptoms and let's get to the, the root right. the cause. So I said all of that to say we feel like one of the root issues in our community is the breakdown yeah, of the family yeah, yeah. and the breakdown of the family because of husbands and wives couldn't make it. Yeah. Not and, knowing how. And not knowing how. They tough, just didn't know how. Issues. And we don't say that with any sense of judgment or accusation. You, you don't know right. what you don't know. Yeah. And you work with the tools or weapons that you have. And so a lot of times people will hand it a tool to try to build and they end up using that tool as a weapon against their yeah. spouse. Yep. And it was meant to be a tool. That's awesome. Which is kind of things that you have alluded to. You know, you find out what you're supposed to do. You go to workshops and seminars, but then you end up using that tool against right. each other 
because you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be. <laughs> so I, I'm saying all of these things to, to try to answer that question that to us, marriage advocacy got to, we pursued it also because of the change that we wanted to see happen in our, in our own community, amongst our own yeah. people. Uh, so. Excellent. So the way, first of all, I want to say thank you for joining us this evening. This was so much fun. And we, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Marcus and I really loved getting to spend time with you guys um, at the marriage retreat. Um, I know for us, that wasn't even, that was a really crazy, that was actually a really crazy time in our life and our marriage. When we went to that retreat, my grandparents had just passed away. Mm. That was a big Ooh. life change for us. We live, um, maybe you could really walk if we really wanted to. Um, so they have been a very big part of our lives, but mine too. Like I said, they had raised me. So that was my parents. So to lose my parents oh. months before we got there, yeah. I remember we were trying to have a baby and it was like, wasn't working. Like it was just all like a crazy, crazy time in our lives. So we definitely yeah. took everything that you guys gave us and yeah. we are so appreciative of it. You know, what we, yeah. what we remember most about that, that, uh, that time of all of us being together for that weekend, we remember when we had this spontaneous moment and we were all sitting together in this arrangement of sofas and everything. It was totally unplanned. I think it was after the first night and we were just kind of walking through and you guys were sitting talking with your friends and everything. And so we stopped and sat and talked with all of you guys as well. It was so much, it was so much fun. That is, that's the thing that we take away as the highest memory for us during that weekend of being able to have that spontaneous moment of just opening up and talking and sharing in that right. moment. It wasn't like planned, hours. it wasn't on the schedule, and it just happened. It was so organic, it, it just happened. That. And so we were staying up to about that. two or three. Yeah, I remember it being like really late. <laughs> yeah. It was so much fun, it was like, I remember that too. That was so I definitely, much fun, yeah. It was, that was a great, it was a much needed weekend for us too. Yeah. Yeah, so one of the ways that we finish is um, with a nugget of knowledge. So it's just off the top of your head, something that you would like to give our listeners um, if they're married. Um, this is pretty much a marriage podcast, but we do have those who are thinking about getting married. Um, I want so, to know what tools to use, you know, before they even get Think to about getting married. Yeah. yeah. So uh, okay. I will go first. So my nugget of not, are you looking at mine? Are you checking <laughs> <laughs> Marcus and I tend to like one of us will start the other one will be like really that was mine like that was that was in my head and now I've got to think again. <laughs> um, so mine is trust your journey um, that your marriage is not going to be perfect but it's yours and so take ownership of your marriage and make your marriage the best marriage that you can um, and I think awesome. that if more people would focus on themselves and not look, because you don't know what somebody went through to get to where they are. And so don't yes. look at what you see on the smiling faces or the laughing and giggling and then take it back to your marriage. And well, why can't we be like that? Or, but you don't know what it took for us yeah. to get. Yes. So yeah, focus on your journey um, and trust in yours. Mm -hmm. 
my nugget of knowledge is what we focus on is wisdom versus foolishness rather than right and wrong. And the reason why yes. is because That's a good one. if I do something, I truly believe that that was right for me right. and you perceive that to be wrong. And so we can be at a, you know, at an impasse where we're not able to overcome this thing because our perception is very subjective. Right. Um, what's right for you isn't right for me and vice versa. But we can agree on, based on wisdom, what is the best way to handle that thing. And so in terms yes. of communication, as we were talking about, in terms of studying your mate, in terms of um, knowing their ways and their behavior and their patterns, um, that's a way that we operate. And even with our kids, you know, I think that we we tend not to really discuss the right or wrong, right. but explain to them from a perspective of wisdom why they shouldn't do that. And right. so if you yeah. use that as the uh, metric to to go through life and to really you know interface or, or, or communicate with others, then I think that you will have an easier time with circumventing these intense fellowships right. or yes. <laughs> of the things that you know really complicate life. Because I think one of the things that we discussed um, last well one, one of the episodes, episodes <laughs> is to really enjoy life. And I think that if you live from a place of wisdom, even when things are hard, even when things are difficult, life will be fun. Right. Life will be easier. It'll be lighter. You'll enjoy it more. Yes, yeah. it will. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'll let you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's why she jumped first. That's why I jumped <laughs> <laughs> I always try to get out there first. Want me to go? You want me to go? Yeah, go ahead. Then uh, I'll say this. And this actually comes from um, the emphasis of what we are doing right now. I'm going to share it with everyone. And that is um, always care. And care for us is an acronym for compassionate mm -hmm. accountability with respect and mm. empathy. If you always come to the table with, you know, always we're wanting to hold people accountable for what they said and what they did and all of that. You know. But but if you come with compassionate accountability uh, and then you're coming from a place of I'm trying to understand. I'm, I'm not listening to you just to wait for you to stop talking so I can say what I right. want to say. Compassionate accountability says I'm listening for understanding, not listening just so I can make right. a point after you say I'm not trying to score points. I'm compassionate accountability, That's I'm good. listening for understanding. And then respect is having regard for the the uh, the dignity of another human being. Having you are a human being. You're valuable. You're valuable. Right. You're you are an expression of the very life of God breathed into this world. And so always remember that when you're talking with a spouse, uh, children, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, even when you're in full disagreement with them, 
always hold that high regard for yeah. their life. That's yeah. the kind of stuff that keeps you out of the intense yeah. fellowship. You yeah. keep remembering. I may be absolutely not understanding and in full disagreement with what you're saying and your beliefs and all of that, but I will always respect you uh, as a human being. Uh, and, and the last one is empathy, E for empathy. And that is uh, putting yourself in their yeah. place. Uh, that's what has helped us in our life constantly. Like if I was walking in your shoes, you know what? I probably would have come to the same conclusion as, that, that yeah. you have had. And, it, and so to us, it comes down to care. Always remember to care. Have compassionate accountability. Or another word, another way of saying that A, have compassionate awareness mm -hmm. with respect and empathy with the people in your life. Okay. Uh, well, then I'd like to leave you with this. Expectations have been a, um, a big thing that God has really dealt with me about, and, and it's going to be a part of our, our book that we're working on right now. At, uh, people's expectations. You have to be careful that you're that you're not limiting other people mm -hmm. or your situation according to your expectations. Mm -hmm. What we're what we're always seeking to do, try to do, is to see every situation and circumstance that we encounter from God's viewpoint. That's true. Yeah. And that's that's our, we are so limited. And how we see things, how we see people, how we see situations, right. because we can only see it from one facet. Yeah. We can only see it from one perspective. Our, the goal is to always see it from God's viewpoint and to have his expectation even about any situation, circumstance, person. Yes. God's viewpoint. Always try to get God's viewpoint and not be limited by your own expectation or view of, of a person or situation. Right. Wow. Wow. I like her. That's why yeah. I married her. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so cool. <laughs> Can't you see me out on the runway chasing down that airplane? <laughs> <laughs> thank you both so much for speaking with us and sharing your lives and your story you know um how can our listeners contact you or purchase your books oh you can actually google us we're at the point where we've got so much material out there that we don't even have to give it uh, URL address. You can just Google Chris and Carol Green and all of our ministries and, and business, our, both our business and our ministry. Our business is called CNC Connections um, and it's our coaching and consulting business. And that's how, that's how we uh, make, a make, our, make our living. We, we're a full-time business. We're entrepreneurs. And we also have a ministry uh, that's called Fruitful Life Network. And it includes um, um, and a, uh, an alliance of people who are uh, have home churches, house ministries, and all of that, and they look to us for training and how to minister to their families. And within that, so within Fruitful Life Network of Ministries, we have what we call the Fruitful Life Learning Community. You say, why didn't you call it a learning a church? 
And that's because we feel like, uh, according to the word of the Lord, the Lord said, take my yoke upon me and learn of me. And so we are a learning community, learning about the Lord. And so we have recently uh, even uh, had uh, started an online institution, an online school of ministry and community service is what we call it. Online community, online school of of, uh, ministry and community service. And it's known as the STEP the Fruitful Life Step Institute. I love acronyms. <laughs> Step is for, I really do. You can't you tell. I worked for the government for a while, so you come away with, you know. For everything. And so Step is for, is, is for success through experience and process. Okay, yeah. And so we actually have started an online school with all of this trainings and everything that we've been doing and teaching and all of that. We've organized it now into classes and courses, and people can now receive accredited certifications in everything from life coaching to community outreach. And so you can find all of that by Googling Chris and Carol Green, and and all of it will come up, Fruitful Life Network, as well as CNC Connections, and you can begin to explore all of that and You'll find, I won't give you all the detailed instructions, but you'll find everything out about what we're doing as well as being able to purchase our books. And there's even some books available that you can download for free online. Awesome. So it's all there. It's all there. Definitely check it out. Absolutely. Well, there were definitely a lot of wisdom and gems dropped to mull over. And again, we thank you so much. I mean... We're a community at Hughes of Love, and we we just see so much value in sharing. So for our listeners, please let us know what thoughts, what you had thought about this episode and, you know, what things jumped out or impacted you. Um, You can go to our Facebook page at Hughes of Love and leave a comment there. So please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Uh, We can be found on all streaming services. So thank you for listening.